92 to 84. The final score. 25 to 21. Dalton Connect versus Auburn over the final 12 minutes. Not gonna lie, was a little nervous in the crowd. The energy wasn't good. Auburn had, you know, taken a nine-point lead and turned it into a nine-point deficit and turned it into an eight-point lead in about eight minutes, or even less than that, really. Because I mean, Tennessee came out the gate hot in the first uh, little section of the second half, got up nine. It was a 9-0 run, you know. If you go back to the the end of the first half for Tennessee, you're like, okay, here we go. Tennessee's getting ready to take control of this game, and that wasn't the case. Auburn instead settled in, went on a run, and, you know, kind of flipped the script on Tennessee. Then Tennessee started walking them down quickly. Just big shot after big shot. And kind of like we talked about yesterday, you know, Tennessee has been in some close games, but they have found a way down the stretch to kind of blow it open a little bit, to make the final score not look as close as the game actual was. And this was another one of those instances where Tennessee caught them, and then kept it going and and put the game away, you know, prior to the final two minutes or so. 92 to 84, Dalton Connect with 39 points, five of eight from three. Zakai with a couple big shots, a couple big free throws during that stretch as well. Sam, what was your big takeaway as you were in the student section? I assume losing your mind. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was screaming a lot. For Dalton Connect at Janai Broom, all of the above. Uh, yeah, I mean it was an unbelievable performance. Um, you know, I, I think I think you're kind of right. I think the crowd was kind of out of it, and I think you know you you got down there and you they kind of flipped the lead on you and they take that lead back. And I think it just really sucked a lot of the energy out of the stadium. And and you know I think a lot of people were kind of just looking around and at that next media timeout, like man, where did this lead go? What happened? And then Connect takes over, and the rest is history. Uh, unbelievable performance from Connect. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was great to be able to bounce back from kind of the energy getting sucked out of that crowd. Bob? I felt I felt there were a couple of occasions. First of all, I felt early in the game there was a point in time where Tennessee really could have put some greater distance on Auburn. They looked sluggish at the beginning, but they hung in there and kept it close. And that's when I kind of felt like, man, this, this is going to be tough. This is going to be a tight game. Then Tennessee was up, came out blazing at the second half. They were at, what, 49-40? And didn't they, how many possessions did they have after that where they didn't convert anything at 49-40? It was a couple at least. Yeah, I mean, because Tennessee kind of got stuck in the mud yeah. after that for a while. And you're right about the beginning of the game. You know, me and my friend Ryan that I went to the game with, we, we kind of said the same thing to each other was, man, feels like Tennessee is clearly outplaying Auburn, yet we're only up one, we're only up two. Right. It's, it's a tie game, and – you know, you, you had a little bit of a spurt to you hit back-to-back threes at the end of the first half to get up four. And you're like, okay, that, we'll take being up four, although it probably should be like seven, but that's okay. And then you came out in the first half, uh, the first part of the second half, excuse me, and, and you know, went on a 5-0 run, continued that. And you're like, okay, there we go. Nine points, got a little breathing room. And then, like, yeah, like you said, Bob, you scored the 49 points at 19.08. And, you know, it was 16.40 before you scored again. So, you know, two – Two and a half minutes went by, and even from that point on, you know, you had, let's see, that was at the 1640 mark. You hit a free throw, but you don't get another bucket for another two and a half minutes as you get down to the 1352 mark, almost three full minutes. So Tennessee, yeah, really got stuck in neutral. 
and it felt stuck in the mud. <clears throat> probably for both teams, but it felt like nobody could get into a flow because I think Sam, you said it. What there were eighteen fouls in nine minutes. Nine minutes. I mean, I it was just maddening. You know, you could feel that. You could feel in the arena. You know, the fans were starting to get beside themselves with that. And, yeah, I was with you, John, for a minute. I was starting to get worried. I was like, oh, my God, man. This is like all our worst nightmares starting to come together. You know, for a minute, I thought, is Auburn – not only is Auburn going to win, but is Auburn going to, like, run us off the court here and win by, like, double digits? That That would have been incredibly painful. I would have came here in a very bad mood if that was the case because I was in the, the bad zone of firing off live bets inside the arena. And Same. I got I, confident once we went down. Well, yeah, we got down to eight, and I, I was looking, and I fired off a, a plus five and a half, and I had to get I had to stop for a second and think. I was like, wait, is, is, is something not refreshed? Why is it five and a half? I was like, wait, I'm at the game. I was like, I don't have to worry about a <laughs> delay. I was like, they don't know anything I don't know. I'm here. I was I like, what? The same thing. So, I was like, hold on a second. Is there something I don't know? Because, yeah, like it was a you know four or five-point game in the – Live line was three and a half, but by the time I actually got the bet locked in, it moved all the way to one and a half. I was like, damn it! I was trying to grab, you know, at least a possession, and it was one and a half. And then a couple more minutes go by, and it was an eight-point deficit. And I was like, okay, five and a half, and I locked that in. And this literally, it was literally right before Connect hit the three to, to cut it to five. And you're like, okay, here we go. And, you know, from that point, we talked about the scoring. At the 12.01 mark, Tennessee, or the 12.02 mark, Tennessee had 55 points. Connect hits that three, begins his run. And you go from 55 to, to 92. So that's what, 37 points? Yep. Is that math right? 37 oh, points over the final bad, 12 man. minutes and two seconds? Not too bad. Bruce pulled out some tricks, man. What did you think when I, I was a little shocked when Jalen Williams came on the court? I was like, are you kidding me, man? I was like, they played that well. Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone in college basketball, you know, was saying that he was doubtful to play, that they didn't buy it, that he wasn't going to play. And then I see him out on the on the court, and I'm like, what the hell's happening here? And he's playing pretty well, and, you know, he's he's, he's contributing, and he's dropped a three right off the bat. Yeah. I was like, come on. But Dalton Kadak, the only player in the country that has scored 35 points four times. He's the best scorer in college basketball. If he left you – any doubt before last night, just put on those last 12 minutes. Put on the final 12 minutes and watch the the versatility to his game, man. You know, like I, I called him pretty quickly the, the most talented offensive player Tennessee's had, the most well-rounded Tennessee's player that we've had offensively, you know, since Allen Houston. And you watch it last night and, and you see why. Like, I mean, just all three levels. The tough fall-away mid-range jumper was maybe his best play. Not a shot you want to see him take, but he, he had another Kevin Durant type of mid-range jumper as he's shooting over somebody. He's hit, He hits the three. He gets the clear out. He hits another three with two guys in front of him. And then once you start getting the jumper going and you get the big man out on the island, don't settle for another three. I'm going to drive right past you left-handed and have one of the better in-game dunks that you'll see in terms of just the quickness and the elevation, just two-hand slam, a picture-perfect kind of swing on the rim that's not going to get you a technical. The place is going crazy. And that's when you knew, like, okay, we're going to win this game. There was uh, <clears throat> there was a minute I saw where, when I was watching the, the replay, where he got the ball. It was where he took that, did that little drive down the middle with the left, put it up. He hadn't even – he had just started the drive. 
because he took him off the dribble because he'd been shooting so many threes and Tom Hart doing the play by play just goes, he's a stud. That's what he said before he even went up and shot the, the shot. I mean, I think he was just blowing away the announcers, everybody. I mean, Van Pelt this morning gave him a lot of love. He was, uh, on his show, he was Van Pelt's best thing I saw today. And uh, then he gave a whole segment talking about him. Uh, it was it was nice. Did that, did that make it through the night as the case? Because you did have another historic performance by LeBron James. So, like, Don Connect maybe, maybe didn't uh, get to maintain being the biggest story in sports by the time you woke up because LeBron had a 21-point come back in the fourth quarter and LeBron was like outscoring the Clippers by himself and and was dominant and vintage so I was wondering if if he had not connect off the front page of ESPN or the the main story on SportsCenter now he was still uh you know Van Pelt's best thing I saw today very top of the show and then the lead after that was LeBron okay yeah because he said speaking of uh, 39 because that's LeBron's age good play good segue and he went into LeBron who uh who did go off Pretty good job by you, Scott Van Peltz. Well, that's that's pretty cool that if you could share the spotlight with LeBron because yeah, he was he was masterful down the stretch last night for his team too in the Battle of L.A. and Connect, of course, set the scene on ESPN two prior to that with I don't know where it ranks in terms of all time college basketball performances. You know, I can't imagine there have been too many better twelve minute stretches just in college basketball in general, especially in an atmosphere like. Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center became. You know, I gave him a little flack for the first 30 minutes, but it got rocking over the last 10 minutes. And, you know, I, to, to have that going on and people losing their minds as you just keep raining jumper, raining jumper, and getting dunks. Can't imagine anybody's done it too much better over 12-minute stretches just in college basketball history. I was saying this to my buddies in the game, and I'm looking it up now, and he scored the exact number of points it connected, but it felt like Buddy healed back in 2016 in that Big 12 tournament game. Do you remember that where he just went off against Iowa State? He also scored 39 points. There was a game. See, I'm thinking of a different game. I think I'm thinking of a road game for Buddy Hield in Oklahoma, where I remember him going crazy. But yeah, Buddy had that same feeling. You know, Buddy Buddy was a guy that could go off and and catch fire too. So maybe since him, maybe he's as as an explosive player we've seen in the country since Buddy Hield, which Buddy was really really good in college. You talked about Allen Houston, and I think we had a listener or two mention that last night. I still say if you're creating, you know, that that tried and true term, like you're creating a Mount Rushmore, I think I swear I might put Connect ahead of Houston, and there might be some recency bias there. But also what I've said before is Houston got his on a team that was bad, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, and some could argue that that's harder to do, but Connect is playing at such a high level, at the teams playing at such a high level in such high level games. Um, I don't know, just feels different to me. Well, what I would say to that, and again, I'm, I don't want to act like I'm an expert on Allen Houston. I don't remember watching him at Tennessee. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I wasn't basketball cognizant at that point. Like, but, I can't imagine that Allen Houston had a better season than him, right? Like, I mean, when you look at just career, okay, fine. Like, you know, he had four years. He was really good. High draft pick. Went on. It was was good in the NBA. Was an Olympian. All those things. But, like, when you talk about just one single season in Tennessee basketball history, yeah, Connect belongs 
near or at the very top. And, you know, maybe maybe that is going to depend on what happens moving forward because you still have to win an SEC championship. You control your own destiny. And then you still have to do it in the tournament. And, you know, but the, the good news and bad news for Tennessee fans or, or maybe the good and bad news for Dalton Connect is you got a lot of pressure on you when it comes to the tournament in terms of performing and carrying this team that hasn't, you know, achieved anything huge in March, right? You, you, you've been to one Elite Eight in your program's history, never to a Final Four, of course, never a national championship. So you're going to have a lot of pressure and doubt from people. And your coach doesn't necessarily have the best March resume. Going back to, you know, the end of his career at Texas and how he's been here at Tennessee and hasn't broken through to an Elite Eight despite being at the top or near the top of the country for so many weeks and having so many cracks at it. But the good news is if you're Dalton Connect, the bar is pretty low. You get to a Sweet 16, that kind of solidifies, okay, maybe best season in Tennessee history. You get to Elite Eight, it becomes almost a, a solidified point that it's the best or second best season in Tennessee history. You get to a Final Four, they might build you a statue. <laughs> like, like forget retiring the jersey. They might, they might just go ahead and build you a statue. So, like, you have a chance to to do something that no Tennessee player has ever done before, and that has to be pretty exciting. There's pressure to do it. Yeah, there's pressure when it comes to this fan base hasn't seen it, and this fan base wants it. But if you're the guy that can do it, that one season could be more impactful than almost any season in college basketball history at least in SEC history, and that has to be pretty exciting. It was just such a, a beautiful performance. I mean, I, I don't, I almost don't have the words, but I have so many words I want to say about it because mm-hmm. we all saw it. I mean, what, what am I going to tell you that you didn't see? Like, the guy was awesome. You know, he scored 25 points in 12 minutes. But also at the same time, he scored 25 points in 12 minutes. Like, no matter what Bruce tried to throw at him, it wasn't good <clears throat> enough. No double teams. And, and I thought he waited a little bit too long for, to double team. But he finally bent the knee, but then Connect just kind of made the right passes. And I thought the teammates kind of let him down a little bit down the stretch. I thought a walk with a bad turnover on a, on a beautiful slip pass. That kind of like, okay, that's going to make this a little bit tougher. And then the refs let you down when it's a seven-point game. And the ball clearly goes out of bounds on on Auburn, and they get the ball back. I think, um, I think another wrinkle, too, that Connect created by – doing what he does and that is Zakai was kind of locked down I felt in the first half he was he, bad he, yeah. he was back to being bad Zakai yeah. in my opinion got that three at the end of the half which was nice love seeing Barnes two games in a row drawn up a play to get like some sort of semblance of a dagger at the end of the half that was good he did that at A&M as well with Santee but by by way of what Connect was doing he he allowed it, it allowed Zakai to cook a little more in the second half. Now, he missed a hell of a lot of free throws, which frustrated me, but he played like a different guy in the second half. And he hit his free throws down the stretch, too. True. You That's know, like true. What, once the momentum got going, he hit some free throws. And But yeah, it was that that was, you know, Tennessee started missing the front end of one on ones, whatever. They, you get the bonus early, like, okay, good. But then the lead's slipping away, and you're getting to the free throw line, and you're missing front ends of one on ones, and that feels like a turnover. That, that's worse than just missing regular shots because it's so deflating. Yeah, we were texting back and forth, the three of us. What, Tennessee hit, like, what, their first 14 or 16 free throws? At least the first 12, I know. Yeah. yeah. I think it might have been 14, yeah. and then after that, you know, it was like 50% at best the rest of the way. That was a little frustrating. But 
hey, win's a win, man. Big well, that's win. bigger than just saying a win's a win because you get a, a clutch performance. And I think everyone could come out of that game that, that played for Tennessee feeling good about something. Yeah. Or at least most of the guys could come out feeling good about something. I thought Awaka had some moments again where he's playing pretty well. I thought Jonas came out of the gate on fire. You thought that would maybe headed for a you know a twenty twenty five perform point performance from him because I mean he had eight super fast. Yeah, only ends up with fourteen. Zakai struggled a bit. I, I think Auburn did a good job, and I, I guess you probably got to give credit to Bruce Pearl. But I thought Auburn did a good job of staying on their feet when Zakai was driving and trying to yeah. do his little loop around like. They didn't really buy that he was in there trying to shoot, and they stayed with their their guys. They stayed on the ground and didn't allow any easy buckets down there, and I think that kind of bothered Zakai a little bit, and that led to some turnovers. But even him, I mean, he was three for three from three. He, he came through. He had some clutch shots. There was that huge one after you know Tennessee had tied the game, and then I think it was was that when, when Broom hit his three, I think, and then Zakai comes back and answers. Yeah. And then they get a stop, then connect, hits a three, and you take the lead. You're like, okay, we got it now. It's kind of how it felt. But you make the run, you get back to Todd. Auburn hits a three. Momentum could have easily swung there. But instead, Zakai came down and answered. They Because they were really taking connect out of the game at that point, or trying to. And you're like, okay, is anybody else going to help this guy? Can he? Can anybody help him, or is it going to have to be all connect? Because I'm in the crowd thinking, okay, at some point he's going to get tired. Like somebody has to give him a little bit of a rest, especially if they're going to start throwing double teams at him. And then Zakai hit that shot, and you kind of breathed a little bit and said, okay, the team's locked in now. Tell you what, we we weathered the Janai Broom storm, too. Man, he uh, yeah. he played well. He played well. Without him, that this wasn't a game. I mean, he, he for my money, carried Auburn 23-9-5. and um, Sorry, yeah, because no one's gonna remember that twenty nine. Yeah, I know. Point perform or twenty three nine and five performance broom because someone else dropped thirty nine on your head, <laughs> and the winners they write the story. So great performance on the road. Good job. Not SEC player of the year though. Sorry, I hate it for you. Eight six five five four six eighty two hundred. If you want to weigh in on the show with us, we got Roberto. Let's bring him on. Good morning, Roberto. Uh, what's, what's up guys? Good morning. Good morning. I want to stand corrected on something I said on VR last night. First, uh, stood corrected then, and I want to own it now. I said that Zakai didn't have a good game, but going back and really looking at it after he had a bad game for 19 minutes and 32 seconds. And then all of a sudden he didn't have a bad game for the last 20 minutes and 28 seconds. He had an incredible game from there out at zero turnovers like 17 points, nine assists. So I stand corrected on that. Yeah, we uh, we agree. We were yeah, we were, you probably heard us too. We were just talking about that. I, I think he he was definitely more enabled in the second half mm-hmm. because of the Dalton Connect effect, as we'll call it. But yeah, he he played particularly strong in that second half. 0 for six from two point range. Like I, I think their length bothered him though. They didn't really allow him to get. Yes in the paint at all, or at least get successful clean looks in the paint. Three for yep. three from three, 0 for six from two. You know, that was kind of the story with Zakai. Yeah. And four for eight from the line. Is that an affirmative? Uh, he had, well, he, he was at one point. Yeah, he was four for eight, and then he hit his last four to help, you know, put the game away and ended up at eight for 12. Yeah, if he can't hit that little runner, 
uh, he can't be as effective from two-point range. That little runner, floater, teardrop, whatever you want to call it thing he does, it, and he was just – everything was short last night. One of my friends asked me why we are always short on free throws. I was like, because we play really hard on defense. That would be my guess. Oh, I think that, we, that first free throw that uh, Connect missed off the Bruce technical, I think it was – he was tired, you know? Yeah, he's beat, yeah. yeah he was just That's exactly so what I thought. Yeah. Although shout out to Connect, he missed only two of his twelve free throws. Right. You know that that one was a little deflating after the technical on Bruce, but he was he was pretty much nails down the stretch with his free throws. They also 12. started a chant during the middle of that technical. Uh, Did they? Yeah, they were just, the whole student section was just chanting "Fu Auburn." <laughs> Fair enough. Proud of you guys. Proud of you guys. That's what I would have said. Um, the other thing I was, I want to talk about Dalton Connect for a second. There's two records he might be able to get so he can get his name in the rafters. I think our our criterion at University of Tennessee is so stupid to get your name in the rafters. It really is. I like that they changed it to get Lofton up there. Dalton Connect, in one season, deserves to have his name in the rafters, especially if he takes us to an Elite Eight or Final Four. Period. Um, he could actually do the, the one single season record that I had not thought about that he could get would be not points in a season. I don't think he can get 806 because that's what Allen Houston's at. He could go for 51. 50, if he gets 52 in a game, he breaks Tony White's single-game single scoring record. That could happen. Well, isn't he, isn't he on the cusp? I mean, with his averages especially, he's on the cusp of being the all-time single-season leading scorer, correct? Like he, He's not far off from Grant Williams' 2019 season. Are you talking about points per game? No, I'm talking about just points in a total season. Just no, that's that that's Allen Houston. Grant's not even in the top. I don't think. I mean, last time I checked, I don't think Grant's in the top ten. Are you sure about that? I I, I'm, I could very well be wrong, but I thought the most points in a season was 806 by Allen Houston, when he averaged like 24 a game. Okay, I'll look it up. But I thought I'd seen that he. I thought I'd seen a, a breakdown it, of how many. And, and I may be wrong in that. Maybe I'm thinking of average points per game uh, because, obviously, the Tennessee teams with Allen Houston on them were really bad. They never played more than about 27 or 28 games. Um, so the other thing I had just in watching Dalton Connect take over a game, it is it is pure bliss for me as a Tennessee fan to know that we got that dude and you don't got that dude. We have him and you don't. And that, I don't know the last time I can truly say that I thought we had the best player in college basketball. Bob, I know you love you got some Zach Eady love written all over you, and that's fine because you should love your alma mater and you should love your best player at your alma mater or, or, or your favorite team. Uh, but I got to tell you, man, I think Dalton Connect's a better basketball player, and I think he's the best player in college basketball. How does that hit you as a Purdue fan? It's weird. I, I well, I think Edie's still going to win Player of the Year. Uh, I think I, you're right because yeah. he had such. If if they started off on equal footing, he would not win Player of the Year. Yeah. Would you agree with me on I that? Would, I would. Agree, I would definitely agree with that. And I do think connects. Uh, the, we're not. It doesn't necessarily qualify for the award, but I think he's got clearly better pro prospects than than Zach has. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah, it's has a, he had a better? Has he had a better season in your opinion? Um, I think. Time will tell. I think a lot of that still rests with what goes on in the postseason. But yeah, I, I think I think in that regard, it's been kind of neck and neck the way he's carried a team versus the way mm-hmm. Edie's. Edie hasn't had to carry Purdue 
uh, all right. the time, you know. Uh, yeah, Purdue's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, that's a great um, stat with Braden Smith. I don't want to get on Purdue, but he's there's. I'll, I'll share it on X about there's a there's a collection of stats that he's the only guard that has done it in Big Ten history besides Magic Johnson. That's it. Wow. So yeah, so they're good. But I back to back to Dalton. I think uh, yeah. I, I his, it's it's amazing what we're watching, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 in any other circumstance, and honestly, I'd be perfectly happy if I'd be thrilled if he won Player of the Year. But I just don't think he's going. Yeah, to. me too. If he cobbles together two out of the next three games, because they're against really good teams, if he cobbles together maybe a thirty-two point and a and he breaks that forty-point barrier finally, yeah, I said if, but let's say because he seems to get on heaters clearly, where he strings together games, you know, three or four games where he scores twenty-five plus. He gets on a heater and strings together, say a thirty-two point, and somewhere in those sprinkles in a forty point. He's, it's going to get real, real hot on Zach Eady's collar about him catching him because people are so desperate to not have Zach Eady. Uh, I should say, people like fans, normies like me, are so desperate that he doesn't win it. It's I, I keep saying it's the reverse Charles Woodson effect, but I'm telling you, I think if if he can go for about. Sounds like a nutty number, but if he can go for 100 points in the next three games, Dalton Connects going to – I think he's going to dark horse it and win the thing. Take care, guys. Appreciate the phone call, Roberto. Roberto was right. It is Alan Houston. The tweet I saw just said since since 94, so I guess that was the disconnect I had. So he can catch Grant Williams in 2019, 696. But that that's only good enough for sixth all-time, not not the all-time yeah. season. Okay, fair enough, I I guess saw the tweet but didn't actually read it and remember that it was since Allen Houston. Of course, Dell Ellis as well. Another Allen Houston season. Tony White and Reggie Johnson is your top five. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think Connect can uh, can catch that. I don't think he can catch that. He can't get to 806. He's not catching Houston there. But you're talking about criteria, getting hung in the rafters. For Tennessee basketball, You, you they say you have to hit three of the five. SEC player of the year should hit that one. National award that doesn't necessarily just mean player of the year. So there might be a best. Is there a is a the, Ju- the Julius Irving award? Yeah, I was the Julius say, Irving like award, right? Forward for of the year, best small forward. Like yeah. I don't know if that's considered. What's the Sullivan award? Do we know what the Sullivan award is? Can you look that up, Sam? It yeah, says because in the parentheses it says player of the year, Sullivan or similar honor. Sullivan's so. like best amateur athlete of the year, or okay. something. As I recall, I could be wrong. Okay, but I'm pretty sure that's what that is. First team All American, he should have that career holder, career record holder in a significant category at the UT, SEC, or national level. So I mean, like you could say he holds a record for most 35 point games at Tennessee or something. I mean, he's getting close yeah. to that, I would imagine. Like I don't, I don't know what they can. Sitter significant. Do you have the Sullivan Award? Yeah, the Sullivan Award is the most outstanding athlete at the collegiate or Olympic level in the U.S. Okay. So, Caitlin Clark won it last year, so I don't... She's probably going to win it again. Yeah, I don't know if Dalton Connects won in that. Okay. So, not just the... I would say the Dr. J Award isn't going to fit that criteria. Probably not. Probably not. Or a national championship. So, you want your jersey in the rafters? Go win a national championship. Like I said, we'll, we'll skip past the jersey retirement. We'll just get you a statue if you could do that. Let's catch a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue the conversation. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. 
You taking the blame on on that traffic report yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's all on me, hundred percent. Well, pack up and go. Get out of here, gotta man. Get out of there. Got to make got to make some decisions on your feet. <laughs> Fair enough. You're, Be- you're done. <laughs> Dead air, or, or you know, try again. Paging Marcus Young right now. <laughs> uh, I don't. Somebody. somebody uh, I, I talked to someone. I talked to someone at the game last night, and he was complimentary. He's like, "Hey." Nice hearing you on the morning show. He's like, I didn't know you actually knew anything about sports. <laughs> He's like, you know, I thought you were just a pop culture guy. You know, obviously a reference to uh, talk sports. And then he asked about, he's like, you know, like that guy that used to be with you, uh, midday. He's like, uh, and I was naming people. I was like, oh, Marcus. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, why did you bring him in the morning with you? I was like, ah, I was like, he can't wake up. <laughs> I was like, Sam's doing a great job, though. I was like, Sam's doing a fantastic job. We love Sam. Marcus is probably waking up and turning the air, turning the show on. Like, oh, I'll see you. How the wind's going and just catches these strays. Sorry. Sorry, Marcus. At noon today, I'm going to do the giveaway. I'm going to do the giveaway for the inward half shirt. I know I said I was going to do it Monday. I didn't do it. I'll do it today. Noon. So go. I'll repost it now. If you want to get in the mix for an inward half, beautiful, light. I know it's a little cold today, but it's it's getting spring. Spring is here. You're going to want this shirt. Doing a giveaway. Beautiful. It looks... I wear it as UT Orange. You can acknowledge your tribal chief this this fall. You can wear it to the baseball games or out on the on the links. Inward Half has elevated golf apparel. Inwardhalf.com. Scale of one to ten, how successful was last night for Tennessee? How great was last night for Tennessee, Bob? Pretty great. That's not a number. <laughs> um, what's your range again? I did one to ten this time. Good. Yeah, I did not. Uh, maybe that's what threw me. Um, I would give it a. I'd give it a ten. See, I can't give it a ten because for a little bit it looked like we were going to have a perfect night. You know, South Carolina was blowing a lead at Texas A and M. And Alabama was down to Ole Miss, or at least in a dogfight. But both of those results went against us. So I can only give it like a, an eight and a half or a nine, just because your the, the teams that were around you didn't didn't lose. That's fair. Although I'm a, I'm at a point now after that game against Auburn last night where it's like game on, man. Let's 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 take them all on. I, I really feel I feel strongly about that. Maybe I'll change here in another day or two. Uh, after it wears off, but I, uh, we talked about it yesterday. I think last night's game was, it's not like it's smooth sailing from here, but it was like that, that game really predicates everything. So would have been nice for Alabama to lose. I'm not worried about South Carolina, still not, but I think that, uh, I feel pretty good about going into Tuscaloosa. I feel better than I did. Let's put it that way. A couple of tweeters have written in with some submissions to the various things we talked about in hour one. First up, best Barnes win was the comeback versus Kentucky in the SEC tournament semifinals. Bob, of course, you were just talking about home games. Then Correct. I, I, I kind of talked about just from a, an overall perspective. Do you agree or disagree, Sam, that Barnes's best win was the comeback against Kentucky, kind of the final three minutes in Nashville? Grant corner three, Lamonte dagger from the top. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely probably say that's your best neutral site one. Sure. Yeah, 
right up there with like Gonzaga maybe or something like that? Yeah, but you know, kind of what we talked about with still having the hope of the season. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think about how you followed that up by getting twenty pieced yeah. by Auburn sure. the next day in the sure. SEC championship. It was a great win. I was riding high. I mean, that that might have been the the highest vibes I had after a win in terms of walking out of Bridgestone. It's St. Patrick's Day weekend. You're hitting the pub. You're talking about the game tomorrow. You're you're riding high, and then yeah, you got you got twenty pieced. Immediately after, immediately after, like less than 24 hours later, you had everybody like come flood to flood to Nashville, get their tickets. They wanted to be in there for a championship and you had that. I I would say maybe knowing. So like, again, having the, the knowledge of what happened afterwards, I would almost say the, the SEC tournament win in 2022 was better. Against Kentucky in the semis, because you kind of just punked them the entire game. You had a lead for most of it. You, you, you kind of dominate Sheblay. They're losing their mind. And then, of course, you went on. You beat Texas A&M in the next game, and actually won the SEC championship. I know it wasn't as dramatic, but that was as big of a statement win as Barnes has had, because those were two top ten teams, and you set the stage and got that win. Another tweeter writes in saying, being that Kentucky team with P.J. Washington, top seven matchup. What year would that have been with P.J. Washington? I don't I don't remember when, when that would have been. 21? Yeah. Another submission for best, like, stretch of Tennessee basketball from a player in terms of performance-wise, they give the love to Admiral's neutral site game against Gonzaga where, he, you know, he kind of brought you to the finish line in Phoenix. And that was a he great caught, game. He caught fire down the stretch, too. I don't, I don't think it was – as drastic as what Dalton Connect did in terms of 25 points. I don't know exactly how many Admiral had over X amount of minutes or whatever, but that was an all-time performance as well. I'll see if I can get some of the details there in terms of, A, how many uh, you know Admiral had in the game, but B, like you know what was it down the stretch? Because I just remember big three after big three from the NBA line. But I can't give the night. I can't give it a ten, just because Alabama still was able to to win that game. I, I thought they might get blown out of the building in the first half. You know, it was kind of that scenario I talked about. But I was like, hopefully you're 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 leaving Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center with a big win. You get home, you turn on the game. I think I even said, you know, Alabama's trailing by three at halftime, which was the score. But it felt different whenever Ole Miss was up like 12 in the first half and kind of blew it. And by the time I actually got the game turned on, they had already taken the lead Alabama had. And I watched and tried to see if Ole Miss could keep it close, but Alabama just kept coming and coming and coming and kind of kind of ended things. Uh, the question I would ask here, is there any doubt – I mean, as Tennessee fans, we feel there's no doubt that Connect is SEC Player of the Year. Sears continues to just produce consistently, 26-5-4 last night, played all 40 minutes. Again, coming down to this game on Saturday, if Sears goes off and somehow Connect gets bottled up, does he sneak in and get SEC Player of the Year? I'll say no, but you had, you had, you had Bruce come out with the – the yeah. salty tears in his eyes saying that he was not going to vote Dalton Connect SEC Player of the Year unless Dalton Connect won the conference. Said if Sears wins the conference, he's voting for Sears. 
If Dalton wins the conference, he's voting for Dalton. So I don't know if that was just Bruce being a crybaby or if that's how a lot of people will vote. So I'll say maybe. Like, I think it should be locked up, but there's still three games left. So I also think those three games should matter. I don't think it's as simple as, like, one game doing it. Although, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Tennessee-Alabama on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Um, game day is going to be there. Really? Um, yeah, that's right. Okay. And, and they're A-team for announcers, Shulman Billis, which would be hard for Billis to not talk about Kentucky or Duke. Um, but they'll be there. Um, Alabama, though, the other thing that – because I watched the second half of that game, 64 points in the second half. And they had that magic number. Again, they shot 37 threes. They hit 40% of their threes. I mean, it's just it's tough to compete, man, if they're hitting like that. Hit 15 threes in the second half, I think. Yeah, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Or just in the game, maybe? In the game. In okay. the game. We, we had Sorry. talked about it. 63 in the second half. Ole Miss was not a defensive team. <laughs> they're not very good at defense. They're they're probably like smack dab average in the middle of the country. Tennessee, of course, better. Tennessee's a top five defense. Tennessee did a good job of keeping Alabama from even shooting threes the first go around. wasn't Wasn't the number like Alabama even like only attempted like two threes the first time the first go around the first half like yeah as Tennessee you know kind of kicked their ass in the first half and set the tone and Mark Sears looked like he couldn't even dribble a basketball for most of that game with. with may shack up on him and of course the game will be re- officiated differently on the road it will be i don't know if he'll be able to be as physical with their guards they'll shoot a little better at home but like i, I don't they're not going to have that explosion in my opinion like tennessee is going to be able to still go out there and kind of defend them admiral had the last 11 over four minutes to close out that game he had uh 18 of his 30 in the last 11 20 of the game okay and he didn't shoot a free throw either, and he had 30 points, okay. which is impressive. So 18 over the last 11 minutes? Yeah. That's not 25 and 12, but that's nope. that's really damn good. And, and the, you know, that Gonzaga team was really good. They had three pros just looking yeah. through this thing. Like, you know, Brandon Clark. Hachimura. Hachimura and Corey Kisper. Yeah, like there's there's three pros for you there. Brandon Clark, too. Yeah, I, I mentioned him, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Clark, Hachimura, and, and Kisper are the three that I'm just looking at here. They might have had more on the team, but. So yeah, they, they were they were they were really good. So Admirals final eleven and eighteen in eleven minutes is really 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 good. So shout out to that tweeter. It does deserve a mention. Just wasn't as pretty. It wasn't as pretty, and it wasn't in front of the crowd. Although yeah. it was hard, it would be hard to be better than like the two final threes Admiral hits. One to put you up two. They come down and tie it, then he hits the dagger with like twenty seconds left to win it. Th- those were those were yeah those were pretty. I think there's something about how smooth Dalton looks doing it. Like, yep. Admiral kind of looked awkward, I think, doing it. You know, just looked a little clunky. Like, like a just big and muscular. Yeah. yeah, like, I think Dalton just looks so fluid. I don't know. When when Admiral had his jumper going, though, I, I did think it was pretty. He jumped I, so high. To me. That's what I'm saying. Like, whenever he like whenever he had the three-pointers going, I, I don't want to erase him from history just because yeah. we got a crush on Dalton right now. You're, you're right. Dalton, again, did it at all three levels and made it look good. Admiral could do it at all three levels, just not as good as 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 Dalton. I'll also say that maybe you had Grant there taking a little attention too, and you you had a kind of a one A one B. Last night you just had Dalton, and like you know you you got good ancillary players, but there was no question of who the best player on the team was. Like with Admiral and Grant, it was always kind of like okay, it's kind of Grant's team. Admiral, you can hang out here and hit these shots, and you can have your moments too. But you got you got a Batman and Robin situation there. 
not really the case on this year's team. It's it's Dalton Connect's team. He's the main focus. I'm gonna digress for a second here, but it's about Dalton. Did you notice because he's been he's been wearing these shoes the last few home games, and I've seen him. Did you notice last night? Maybe it's just reflection. It looks like his shoes had lights in them, like they would, like they were Nikes, but they would light up. No, I didn't notice that. I, I don't even know. Is he wearing like the Durants? They look like the Durants from the the crowd. That's what I don't know what which ones they are. Yeah. It, to yeah. me, it just looks like black shoes with like the Nike stripes being gold. Yeah, and it might be just the way the lights hitting them because yeah. this guy sitting right in front of me that was sitting close to you, John. He and I've been talking about it the last couple of games. He's con- he's convinced that they light up. And I'm like, I don't think so. But uh, I feel like we would have already made a big deal about that if that was the case. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it kind of reminds me of something like, you know, you'd see a 10-year-old. Yeah, on I hope he's still wearing light-up shoes. Yeah, if they had light-up <laughs> shoes cool. on. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just the light hitting them. But it is it is wild. It does look like lights on them, the way it reflects. But uh, I think black shoes make you look slow, too. That's my opinion. <laughs> black shoes make you look slow? Yep. A couple of our guys wear black shoes, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes. It's just, you know, Dalton's just what you were – that's what made me think about it, just what you were saying, Sam. He's so, like, fluid and smooth and be, looks even smoother when he's wearing white shoes. Just my <laughs> two cents. He wore, he wore white shoes during his warm-ups. He did look smooth in that. Yeah. Do you think that's part of his plan? <laughs> Put on the black shoes and, yeah. and really lean into the deceptive speed? Like, they're not going to think that, that. – <laughs> yeah. That I have any hops? They're not going to think I'm athletic. They think I'm slow because I'm wearing black shoes. Well, yeah. It, I think people, the cat's out of the bag on that. One. People can't. Apparently, it wasn't because broom, broom got blue right by. Although, like, if you're broom, you're like, really? What am I supposed to do here? I can't. I can't give him the the three. He's hit a couple of these. He's he's making these. I got to try to stop the three. Hopefully, somebody's got my back with some help defense here. Nope. Uh, there he goes. Okay, he's taking off. Okay, there's a dunk. Every I, ISO they ran with Broom, I was just screaming at the top of my lungs, like, give me that, give yeah, me that. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, we've talked about this before, too. He he bumped up against uh, my guy Chad Baker Mazzara a few times, too, because you know he's probably out there talking. And Dalton doesn't, he won't back down to that stuff. I, I think it kind of fuels him a little, too. Love to see that. They were physical with him, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, like even before plays started, I, I thought they were trying to get in Connect's grill all night long. Well, they wanted to be physical. They wanted yeah. to try to punk Tennessee and question, you know, whether or not they were tough enough. And you know, for that stretch in the second half, it looked like Tennessee wasn't going to be able to answer the answer the bell. But of course, you start hitting shots and open things up, and it's easier to 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 feel tougher, right? Like you, when you have Dalton Connect save you, it looks like okay, at least he answered the bell. He had, he had 14 points before his stretch. Mm-hmm. They were going with the method of, of hey, everyone's going to try to get some touches here. We're going to try to do this. And I think it's nice, but every now and then you got to be that mother bleeper that's like, okay, it's my time. Get out of the way. I'm fine with sharing the ball as long as things are going well. But, like, once the team got down eight, it's like, okay, all right, guys, let me go inside this phone booth right quick. Let me uh, loosen up my tie. Let me come back out as Superman, in case you didn't get the analogy, and 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 save the team. I got kids, it now. Do kids your age like Superman? Do they, yeah. Did you understand the phone booth? I, Absolutely, I, I, I get that. I didn't know if anybody's out there like, what the hell is he talking about, Superman? Because I never liked Superman growing up. What would you do if Connect started doing the like Cam used to do, where he'd rip open? 
We get Cam. Cam's got a lot of love this week. For I us. got my whole row doing the connect like three celebration the ups over, down. Yeah, over yeah. the yeah over the nose. I got it like five people doing that. Tyler Wyatt writes in, "You'll have the Barnes as a road dog on Saturday storyline." So when you're looking at Saturday and you're looking at this big SEC de facto championship game, if Tennessee wins it, if they lose, you're going to have to go full on Gators. You know, next week. Barnes as a road dog, two and thirteen straight up his last fifteen, three and thirteen straight up, five and eleven against the spread, as a two possession road dog, one, between one and six points. Although I will say, one and zero oh in his last one. The last time he was in this scenario was against Kentucky, at Kentucky. So if you had those numbers before the Kentucky game, maybe you didn't feel good. And I thought Tennessee played one of their their better, you know, most most rounded games against Kentucky at Rupp Arena this year. So something to keep an eye on with Barnes, but also I think this team, you know, should have some confidence coming out of these last couple wins, but also should have some confidence against Alabama. I don't really care what Barnes did in his previous, you know, 13 games before Dalton Connect got there. Because North Carolina was a similar situation. He lost that game. But, like, I, I think Barnes, and I, I give him credit, and, you know, I think he's adapted, and I think this offensive philosophy is is more equipped to go on the road than when you go on there and try to just drag teams in the mud, which is what he was doing a lot of those previous 15 games. So I don't know how much that matters. If we lose on Saturday and we look bad, then you could say, oh, yep, Barnes can't go on the road, but we saw him do it against Kentucky. Any other thoughts on Alabama winning last night, on on South Carolina surviving? You know, it's interesting. It's not so much about South Carolina. It's a little bit about Texas A&M. So they're 15-13. and 13. They're done, I would have to say. Feels like it. Unless they run the table in the SEC tournament and win it. For all the talk we have about Buzz Williams, and me included, I think he's a good coach. This is – I think it's his fifth season at A&M, and this – he's – only made the NCAA tournament once. Um, not that they're a big basketball program, but they pay, they're pay they paying him a lot of money, I'm sure. And it just makes you wonder. We know they have restless boosters, so wonder wonder what's going to happen there. For what they did to Jimbo Fisher, they need to ramp up some pressure on, on Buzz. If I'm Jimbo, I'm like, hey, hey, come on. Yeah. I had a better season during COVID than Buzz has had his entire tenure. Let's ramp up some pressure here. Maybe their pocketbooks are hurting from paying out Jimbo, though, too. You might be right about that. Maybe they're like, hey, you know, Buzz, is he's a sharp-dressed man. He's a good representation of our of our program. Yeah, we're not very good, but AC Law the fourth ain't walking through those doors. Let's just be happy with what we got. And let's replenish some of our money. Buy a season tickets to watch Mike Elko. Tennessee minus 125 to win the conference. So you can no longer get plus money. Auburn pretty much eliminated. Kentucky pretty much eliminated. It comes down now to Tennessee, Alabama, with an outside shot of South Carolina. They're hanging in there at, at 29 to 1. Alabama minus 110. Tennessee minus 125. So still neck and neck. Still neck and neck. I'll be interested to see what the spread is for Saturday's game. We still got a couple of days to talk about that. Bob, you, you, you buy into the rumors that that might have been Bruce Pearl's last game? Inside of Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center, 
on Auburn sidelines. A lot of smoke yesterday. A lot of rumors ramping up that that Bruce going to be heavily in the mix for the Louisville job. Yeah, I've heard Louisville and Ohio State, um, which I can't seem at Ohio State myself. But is it Ohio State? Isn't there some? I mean, Ohio State is attached to to Bruce's scandal, right? It wasn't Correct. the first go around. That was Iowa and Michigan State, right? Is yeah, that is that what happened there? Yeah, but no, the Aaron Kraft thing was right. Yeah. So it, it just the Big Ten in general has tried to call Bruce out on his cheating multiple times. So like, yeah, I can't see him going to Ohio State after the Aaron Kraft stuff. I wouldn't think so either. Louisville does seem like an interesting fit, and um, apparently Louisville really wanted him. A big portion of Louisville wanted him two years ago before they hired Kenny Payne, but that the the pressure to hire a, a Louisville guy, yeah, kind of won out. Well, that and what's going to be interesting to see at Louisville, Payne's got to go, but. Um, what they're going to be able to spend because they have buyouts aplenty right now going on with, with coaches. Yeah. Let's get that. Got to get down on their knees and crawl back to Papa. Yeah. Papa John, please come save us. Yeah. Cut us a check. Come on. Could I'm they, sure they got plenty of money. Though. Could they just rehire Chris Mack and just bring that contract back in? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. I wonder what portion of the fan base is like, Hey, come on. Look at that win he had last weekend. Rick Pitino still got it. Bring him back. He's paid his dues. He's paid his time. They won again last night. St. John's did it. Butler. He's trying to get them to the bubble at least. Yeah. His his plan worked. <laughs> he tore into his team, and now they're playing. Um, yeah, it, it, I, it's a good question about Pearl. I, I still think one of the things that gets talked about is that Auburn is going to maybe make their play to keep Bruce to say – Hey, we'll give you a deal when you retire. Steven gets the job here. Ugh. I know, I know. But I've heard that. I've heard that a couple on a couple of occasions from a couple of different places. And so, <sighs> I mean, that that'd be tough for him to walk away. I would think in that regard, if he's laying a legacy for Stephen F. and Pearl. There's a lot of rumors about that yesterday, and people talking about it that that Louisville gonna make a big run at Bruce. I also saw them. In the mix, a lot of people are reporting that Will Wade is the guy they kind of want too. God, to bring him, you know, he's turned McNeese around, and you know they're they're pretty good. They're like what a top sixty team on Kim Palm and all that. Like yeah. that they played the school of the blind and yeah. you know the women's college that apparently changed their name. They bullied them into changing their name. They're, I'll, they're, I'll be interested in them as a mid major for sure. We've talked many times about how much we don't like Nate Oates. I dislike Will Wade that much more. I, I, <laughs> really? I, I despise him, man. Yeah. just Which is just, sad because he's a Tennessee boy. Just the, the the tantrums he would throw on court and everything. It's just, uh can't maybe, take it. Maybe Louisville offers him a strong-ass offer and yes. he makes the jump. I, I don't know, but like it's funny that Louisville's coaching search right now, the two names were Bruce Pearl and Will Wade. <laughs> let's just get dirty, Louisville. Let's do it again. They tried the whole... Let's get an honorable man. I don't know if Kenny Payne's an honorable man or not. He hung out with Coach Cal long enough. Maybe he picked up some tricks. But if he was cheating at Louisville, it wasn't doing very good. He wasn't He wasn't very good at it. Get some proven winners, some proven cheaters in. Sam, last time Bruce Pearl comes into Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center on Auburn sidelines? It might be. Yeah, I saw Bruce, you know, when he was walking out of the, out of the gates, out of the tunnels. You know, he was, you know – giving some hugs to some some Tennessee donors on the sideline or something like oh, that. Yeah. Maybe he was saying some goodbyes. 
I don't think so. I think it's just like, please, <laughs> just don't forget me. Still love me, guys. Yeah. Still talk about me. Make me feel <laughs> like you love me. Probably. I give yep. me my attention. I didn't get to see on the TV replay, but Sam, you said you had a pretty good angle of it. His uh, Bruce's tantrum that yeah. led to the technical. Oh, he, he was going crazy. I love a good Bruce tantrum. Yeah. That was a big part of the game, too. It was only a two-point game, part, right? Huge part of the game. Huge part of the game. Was it only a two-point game? Am I right about that? I don't know. I can't at... remember. No, it was. It was two. Okay. You're right. It was 79-77. It, okay. it was really close. I wanted to say three or four, so yeah. I thought he was going to get two technicals. I thought I he was going to get kicked out. Yeah, I thought he was going to keep the tantrum going, and they were going to double team up. And, mm-hmm. you know, Broom tried to run over and be like, Coach, like, chill, chill, chill. And I thought he was going to keep going. I actually thought the ref did because he gave it the technical signal again, but that was him. I thought Broom was going to get a technical. Was he trying to calm Bruce down? Yeah, Broom ran over. From the way it looked where I was sitting, Broom was running over trying to, like, calm Bruce down. I thought it was, like, Bruce getting a technical, and then Broom also was going to get a technical because of the call. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. No, to me it looked like he was trying to get him under control because, again, it was a two-point game. It was like, hey, don't give him four free throws here, please. Like, stop. Which, you know, Connect missed the first free throw, so you only give up one point. And actually, Tennessee didn't cash in on the possession following either, and, like, Auburn was able to come down and score. I believe to cut it to one afterwards, so it didn't didn't hurt them any. Sneaky little stat, though, that got me thinking, and it was on the, the play where Pearl got the technical. Josiah had four blocks last night. Yeah, yeah. big ones, too. Yeah. He, yeah, he does those things, man. And for as – I mean, obviously, for as much as you're going to talk about Dalton scoring, I thought he had a good night defensively. Like, I thought he got into some passing lanes and had a couple steals, had some active hands. I got worried he was going to find himself in foul trouble. Yeah. Which – Again, we talk about the evolution of Barnes, so this is part of the reason I don't worry too much about that last 15 statistic and his trouble against the spread as an underdog and blah, blah, blah. Like I will say I've seen some evolution in Barnes, and, and Kinect picked up his second foul fairly early in the first half, and in the past that would have been an automatic ticket to the sideline for the rest of the half under Rick Barnes. You know, he did that a lot with Vescovy. Still kind of does it with Vescovy. With Connect, he's like, hey, I'm going to yell at you a little bit, but lock in. Like, you're you're too important to what we do offensively. And keep in mind, this is the same coach who who started overtime of your Sweet 16 game with Grant Williams on the bench with four fouls because he's trying to protect him and keep him out of foul, foul trouble. So I want to give Barnes credit for evolving there and improving there because I think if you put Connect on the bench in the first half, things could have gone wrong, right? Like you could have gone into halftime with a deficit. We rolled out one lineup where Connect got benched, I think, and it was like both yeah, bigs, both, Gainey. Yeah. Both bigs, both bigs and Meshack. Like yeah. I still don't understand. Yeah. Like, look, and then and then they followed that up later with both bigs, and it wasn't even Adu. It was Estrella, yeah, and and a walk. And I'm like Barnes, what are we? What are we, what is this lineup? Yeah, yeah. But we actually held the lead kind of there for a bit with that lineup. So like they were able to kind of. Ganey was able to get to the free throw line at least. Like Ganey, I think we got to immediate timeout and he got it out of yeah. there. Yeah. When Tennessee needed a bucket with that lineup, and Ganey was willing to put his head down and try to get to the rim, mm-hmm. he shot four free throws and hit all four. So one for six from the field. But I thought Ganey again played solid twenty minutes. Yeah, only our, nine for Mayshack though. Our our guy Will Warren posted last night, and I because I feel this way all the time. You know, something to the effect of, "Is it just me or?" Uh, do you get a little scared when Ganey's got the ball and bringing it up against court pressure and everything else? And I do. I feel like he, he always feels like he's on two wheels, you know. He's just just a millisecond away from coughing the ball up. But he did hit a nice three, but, God, he was still like one of five, one of six. 
106 field. from the field, 104 from three. The one was big, though, Sam. It helped get us it our was. minus sir. three and a half in the yes, first sir. half. Massive. Yeah, it was nice. Nice little sweat. And then Katie Johnson responded, and I wanted to die. But then Zakai walked it off. I was like, yes. I told my wife we were watching the game because I have to give her a little context on some of these players. Told her, you know, Broom is their best player. And KD came in. And I go, see that guy with the headband on? I go, he is just nothing but chaos. <laughs> good and bad, you know. Yeah. He actually didn't play too bad. I no, I thought, he, I thought they got a pretty good KD Johnson game. Yeah. Which maybe that's even that maybe that makes the loss even sting a little bit more because he wasn't out of control. He only shot the ball five times, one of two from three. All right, Sam, send us to break. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Welcome back to the morning show. Got Bob Baskerville here with John Reed, and uh, we've been spending the morning talking about some really good stuff, mostly tied around our Vols and last night's big win over Auburn, and there was kind of a special performance. That's understating things. Uh, Great individual performance by Dalton Connect, and as we do every week, we're fortunate enough to have Coach Greg Polinski on to talk a little bit about the games that have passed, what lies ahead, but coach, welcome. Good morning. Um, what did it feel like being on the sidelines and what you were watching? You've seen a lot of great basketball, a lot of great players, but what we saw last night was truly special. would love your take on what, what you yeah, were witnessing. You know, um, first of all, it is a really good morning. I hope everybody enjoyed what was a, and coach Barnes said it, you know, in his post game, so I'll echo it, um, high, high-level basketball game. Auburn was terrific. Um, Broom was just unstoppable. Um, Williams, they're a big, physical, old, strong team. Um, really well-coached. All the things that are cliche, but it's all true. Uh, seeing them up close, it was a lot different than even watching them on video this year. And, um, you know, uh, Coach Clark did a great job prepping the guys. And um, and I'll get to your question, I promise. Um, but I told the assistant coaches, you know, Justin and all of us afterwards, that I'm trying to think back to the 23 years that I was fortunate enough to be in the NBA, attend these kind of games, and, um, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that on a college level. Um, in that atmosphere, that type of, you know, defense, uh, athleticism, um, I just don't. I, it may be that I'm getting old, Bob, but, I, you know, they say short-term memory goes, my long-term memory is still pretty good. So, it was really special, and I think the Vol fans, you know, you want to say I hope they appreciate it. I know they do, and they were unbelievable. Let me say that without trying to be a promo here. Our fans would not allow us to lose that game, and that's what you get in Thompson Bowling Arena. They, they were just fantastic. But Dalton, um, offensively, that was Probably something that I haven't seen 
from any individual type player in that type of big moment, in that type of setting, with those type of circumstances. Coach, I'm curious what you would say to Bob, my my, my dear co-host here, who had to leave because of his daughter at the 12-minute mark, and he missed the Dalton Connect show down the stretch. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I, hey, Bob, hey, Coach, I watched hey, the, re- I Bob, watched the let replay. Me say, <laughs> let me say this, man. Family is always first. God bless so I, you. I applaud that. But uh, it was great. Um, I, th- I think, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but uh, does everybody realize that Josiah Jordan James was really good defensively last night. Oh yeah, we gave him a shout out. He, you know, led to Bruce Pearl's four meltdown blocks. and technical. His four blocks. He was he was nails on the defensive end. He was nails, and um, and again, it may not sound like it. We, you know, they scored eighty four points, right? So you may say, "Come on, you guys weren't too terrific." And honestly, I got in. I watched Ole Miss Alabama. I. You know, we we split up our preps, and I've got Alabama coming up, so my attention has been there. But um, I can't wait to watch the game and uh, and see it. You know, because right now I haven't, but I do know that um, there were some guys that really did some big things. The combination of Tobey and Jonas scoring inside, just the defensive effort of Zakai on the ball. Um, we just had a number of things, you know. And and Zakai has played better for us during the course of this year, uh, but still, you look at his, his stat line; it was really good, and he came up big. But it was just it was just a great night. I, I I don't know how long you guys have been watching ball basketball. You know, I'm sure longer than I. I've only been you know privileged enough to be here three years, but man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, I call it the best twelve-minute stretch in Tennessee basketball history from a player. I don't, I don't know if there's another performance. You know, back in the day, maybe Bernard King had an explosion like that. Maybe Allen Houston caught fire. But for my money, it was the best twelve-minute performance from any Tennessee player. You talked a little bit about Zakai and something I, I noticed, and I'm curious if maybe it's factual or if it's just kind of playing the result. But it seemed like Auburn, especially early was kind of focusing on on staying on the ground around Zakai and not giving up the lobs or easy looks to Adu whenever, you know, Zakai likes to dribble around the the paint and kind of create from from the baseline. Was that something that you noticed with Auburn trying to, you know, impact him around the rim and in the paint, or is that just kind of an early season or early game, you know, situation that maybe I am overreading into? No, I think they did a great job. Um, they got up into him. They're physical, you know, they're guards. Um, the, the young freshman for the Maiden Holloway is a young man we recruited, really good player. And But the Trey Donaldson, you know, he's a big old point guard. And I think they tried to – I think, without being in Bruce's locker room, that their, their goal was, look, I don't know if our starting fives is good, but he talks about this a lot. We have depth. And we're going to pick them up full court, and we're going to make them play in every possession. And we're going to be physical, and like you said, we are not going to give them uh, any freebies at the rim. We're going to be big. We're going to stay tall. We're going to be vertical. I, I think that assessment is true. I was thinking about this when I saw Jalen Williams come into the game last night because all the talk was, you know, there was, I guess in my opinion, a little bit of gamesmanship going on that he may play, and then a lot of people were saying, no, he's doubtful, he's doubtful. But from your 
perspective in the locker room, you guys go ahead and prepare f- for that as if he's going to play? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Rod and um, Lucas, who, who, you know, th- they were like, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, when we did scout, scout team, you prepare like he's going to play. And you know the rest of the personnel well. So I didn't know if he played that much. Um, I think he played 21 minutes, but he did play and obviously impacted the game. And uh, But we know, you always prepare. Like, we've got Alabama coming up, and uh, Latrell Reitzel has been out for Alabama. He was again last night, but we will prepare as if he's going to play this game. And he's a terrific player as well and been on a real tear from three. How do you handle the quick turnaround to go to Alabama? Because in any other situation, I think you would worry about a little bit of a letdown game. But being, you know, basically already in March in the championship and the regular season, being on the line these next couple of games, do you have to keep the team grounded and get them refocused? Or is it just something that this veteran group is already kind of equipped to prepare for? Yeah, I think you said it. I, Well, you at least hope, right? If you're sitting in our chairs, um, your chairs, our fans' chairs, everybody, but that these guys will, um, you know, we have, I borrowed a saying from my father who used to say, when you get done patting yourself on the back, give yourself a kick in the, <laughs> and get going again. And I think our team does that pretty well. Like, I think the guys are pleased. I think they know that, you know, this was a hard-fought win. There's really nothing to gloat about. We are playing this as if we're rolling through the NCAA tournament. Um, and we got another NCAA tournament game coming up because Alabama will be a force, um, I believe, in the tournament, um, as Auburn will, and potentially South Carolina and Kentucky. And those are our games that remain, right? So um, it's quite a string of games to get on the stretch, but I think our guys understand it. They know it's the next game up, but they also know we have a tough slate ahead, and we're looking at that as preparation, and obviously we'd love to win the SEC championship. So that would mean a lot, but it's going to take a lot of work. You know, last week when we talked to you, we asked about the quick turnaround playing A&M, then getting them two weeks later, and the game plan and how that shifted. Obviously, the game plan against Alabama the first go-around worked. However, this time you're going on the road. Do you take the road into account when making a game plan and you have to do this different differently because the officiating is going to be a little different and the crowd's going to be in here, so maybe let's go a little slower, let's, let's work the ball in the post, or is it just, hey, this is what we're going to do, home or away, neutral site, this is our game plan? You know, um, I've got some thoughts, but – of course, Coach Barnes will make those decisions. Um, you know, we'll present. We, we put out, I always say, we put out, you know, the buffet, and then he picks off of it. And um, so between now and um, we're, we're, we've got a pretty good idea of what we, what we think, at least to present to Coach, we'd like to do or how we're going to play them. But I don't think there's any real mystery to play in Alabama. Um, you better get back on defense. 
you better be ready for a shot in the first 10 seconds and a good one because they are still the number one team in the country offensively. Uh, they're setting all kinds of records in terms of scoring over 95. I don't know what it is, six times now in SEC play. Um, they're prolific, you know, offensively. And defensively, you guys know, we're going to get their best effort um, in front of a really hostile crowd that, you know, this game means something. And I think this is what is tremendous for college basketball. Our fans, their fans in the SEC. And, you know, we're going in there and we're going to compete. And um, hopefully we can execute um, what we've worked hard over these next two days. Would you rather scheme and game plan for a team that's number one offensively in the country or number one defensively? Well, I say this tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Probably defensively. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do sometimes with Alabama. I mean, I, I think this is a really good offensive team for Tennessee. Yeah, Dalton has helped us a lot. But I just think our experience, um, the addition of Jordan Gaining, uh, the improvement of, of guys, Tobey, Jonas, um, the addition, even of these freshmen when they've helped us in moments that we're a much better offensive teams, and analytics would tell you that as well, right? We've been in the top 20 most of the year. So we feel like we can score, but they're, they're going to they're gonna buckle down there. We know that. Uh, but a lot of things Alabama does are, you know, what, what we call .5, and that they – it's random. It's based on concepts. It's based on philosophy. It's based on high-level, highly-skilled players. And Nate Oates is a terrific coach. I mean, their schemes, very NBA-ish, very difficult to guard because you can't necessarily prepare for this set or that set. We'll do that to some degree, but at the end of the day, you've got to be able to guard concepts, if that makes sense. It does. We're here with Coach Greg Polinski. Coach, a couple more questions for you, uh, and always appreciate your time. Sticking with Alabama, for one, um, was watching the second half of that game against Ole Miss last night where they scored 64 points in the second half. Yep. Um, and, you know, shot like 37 threes and – I mean, obviously, and, and John touched on this a little earlier uh, in our first go-round with Alabama, that was we, we contained the perimeter really well. Is there a number with these guys in your mind where it's like, is it just as few as possible? Because it feels to me like it's, you know, if they're going to shoot over 33-pointers the way they shoot them, that can be trouble. Is there a number you guys set to try to control that, or is it just as few as possible? Well, to say that obvious as few as possible would be great. Yeah, we, you know, our joke always is, you know, we we pride ourselves on defense, and we're not going to shut anybody out. Um, I think in this game, I think we got to score to to state the obvious. I, you know, their record at home, I think over the last twenty eight games is twenty seven and one. Uh in SEC play, and. You know, like us, they get the energy from their crowd. Um, you look at their percentages at home shooting the ball. 
except for Sears, who shoots it great everywhere, they are they're better, like a lot of teams, like many teams. They shoot the ball better at home. So we got a, a great challenge is what I would say to our guys. What a number would be, uh, you know, 71 here. Uh, I don't know that that's realistic. Might be, but we're going to have to guard them. We're going to have to make every shot a tough one that we can. We know they're going to get some, again, elite, number one in the country offensively. So we got to make it, you know, the, the best that we can to our ability. We got to take away, you know, the transition, which is easy to say and hard to do. Um, second shots, they are a really good offensive rebounding team. Um, they, they're just, they're a handful, man. They, they do a lot of things really, really well. And uh, I think Nate is still searching for that, that um, a defensive rhythm with his team. They've had moments, but you're always worried it's going to come against you, and I just hope it's not on Saturday. Um, but I, we fully expect them to play well defensively. We, we do at home in this type of game, this type of atmosphere. Coach, going back to last night a little bit, just in a game where you have 46 combined fouls and 18 in the first nine minutes of that second half, What's kind of the the mindset and maybe the message that that coaching staff is sending to your guys on just trying to settle them down and, and keeping them focused and trying to execute that game plan? Uh, yeah, you know, I think officials have a sense sometimes what they don't they don't want the game to get out of hand. Um, both teams are very aggressive. Uh, you know, Auburn might have been one of the. I'm just trying to think back. You know, I don't know another team that we've played that's been quite as aggressive defensively as Auburn was, and I say that in a complimentary way. Uh, physical, tough, got up into the ball, came at us, um, played to win, not to lose. Uh, all the things that, you know, high-level teams do when they go on the road. And um, I think the officials were, were doing their best to keep this thing in check. Um, again, without watching, I don't know if every – Call is correct, not correct, but I'll tell you this. Um, you guys have watched enough basketball that if you have ever tried to officiate a game with the size of the men on that court, that athleticism, you are constantly making decisions, I think, on advantage, disadvantage. And I'm not officials, and I'm not Mike Eves, who does an awesome job supervising the officials in our league. He's great. Uh so I think they have a game plan when they come in. I know they do. I mean, I have sat with those guys before or ridden with them in a car when I was during my NBA scouting days, and they talk about teams and players and what they have to watch and what they have, which they should do. They've got a scouting report, believe it or not, on the game. That's what good officials do. And what they have to do to make sure that the game is high quality and doesn't get out of hand, and I, I would only guess that's what maybe went on during the stretch that you mentioned. Yeah, it's almost like we talked about you know a couple weeks ago, just in terms of the consistency. So that would make sense in terms of they come in with a game plan. The first half tends to go a lot smoother, and in the second half it's almost like okay, now the game's breaking out. We're going to call every little bump because we don't want this to get out of control. And 
that, that's kind of how it felt last night, too. The first half flowed well. The second half, pretty clunky at the beginning with a lot of fouls. But then, my God, Coach Polinski, it was beautiful watching Dalton connect down the stretch, bring Tennessee home. It's been a true joy for us to get to kind of experience this ride with you every week, talking about it, the team playing really well. Has a chance to do something really special here, you know, for for this program and for this fan base. And we appreciate you for your time every week. Best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Best of luck. All right. Thank you, guys. Always enjoy it. Thank you, man. And, you know, I, I do think that's accurate in terms of just this team has, obviously, a, a good chance of doing something that's never been done here before. And it's a good group of guys. And, you know, I, I like that Polinski always wants to make sure he's giving a shout-out to Josiah for doing the dirty work, right? Like, hey, how about Josiah and his defense last night? Four blocks. 100% correct. 100% correct. That's a something that deserves being applauded because I think too many people just want to know what can you do offensively, right? How many points can you score? And you look at Josiah's box score, and not great when it comes to offense, right? He only hit one bucket, two points. It would be easy to look and say Josiah didn't have a good game. I think that would be very far from the truth. I thought he was in the mix in a lot of key plays, and I thought that he was playing really good defense. Big statement, too. We, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Coach Polinski has seen a lot of great players, a lot of them, over his career. And what he said about Dalton last night, that, man, that makes chills. me that makes me feel good, man. That just as a fan, and I mean, that's our guy. Thirty nine points, yeah. You know, like there's not too many college players that have had a better performance, especially not one that that Coach Polinski would have had a front row seat for and be on the right side of. Let's grab a call. Joel wants to weigh in. Joel, good morning. The floor's yours. Good morning, guys. Love the show. Thank you. Thank you, man. Got three things. Uh, first. And Dalton Connect, we trust. Amen. Uh, I agree. That was one of the best performances I think I've ever seen in my lifetime as a UT uh, UT fan. Um, absolutely legendary. Uh, number two, uh, Rick Barnes. Got to give that guy a shout out. The, the the chess match that he played last night, and the and moving the hit the pieces in and out with the foul trouble we were in. And just matching these guys up with their, uh, you know, very, very good team. Well, that was elite. Absolute elite coaching. And I wanted to know your all's thoughts on that. No, yeah, I mean, I give Barnes credit just for his overall evolution. You know, I've talked about that. I, I thought the foul trouble point you made, Joel. Yeah, like, in, in the past, the moment Dalton Connect picks up his second foul, around the 10-minute mark of the first half, he goes to the bench and doesn't come back. Instead, Barnes stayed with him, and you know the offense stayed steady. And Tennessee went to halftime with a lead, and felt pretty good with that. You know, I scratched my head a little bit when JP Estrella all of a sudden was in with a waka, but hey, Tennessee didn't lose the lead when that happened. So you know, you you were able to steal a couple minutes at least with him. I thought Barnes was really good last night. Yeah, and yeah, a, dude. And a very good point about working around the fouls. We we talked briefly about. What I felt was an uneven job by the refs, but, I mean, in that game, 45 fouls called, and it was pretty evenly distributed, but that's a lot of fouls to work around. And so for Barnes and the way he responded to that, um, felt really good. Felt really, really good because there's a lot of theories that, you know, Bruce has always had Coach Barnes's number. Um, 
Didn't last night for sure. Yeah, man. It was, it was a great game. Loved it. But I have, uh, and I'm sure you guys have heard this too, I, I've got a, a, a bone to pick with our fan base. You know, we have one of the largest arenas in college basketball. And I had people in Thompson Bowling last night, and they said it was like a tennis match in there until halfway through the second half. Yep. These people, if they want to sit on their butts and, and be quiet and watch the game, watch it at home. We need people in there that are going to be screaming to the mountaintops for the balls. You go to any of these other, other uh, college campuses, and they're losing their ever-loving minds um, when any big team comes in there. And we have a ch- our fans have an opportunity to be, you know, that sixth man on the court that's going to be disrupted. You saw how our team got fired up when Dalton Connect started going crazy and the team really started gelling. It's when the crowd got into the game. And I'm just sick of watching our home fan base sit there like losers. I agree with you. And, and you know, I said that at the beginning of the show as well. I was there and – I felt a little uneasy in my section because people weren't really standing up and it, it was kind of quiet and a tennis match. You know, I don't know if I'd go that extreme, but it was it was a nice, maybe a, a good clap after good plays and woo, good job, but only after good plays. It wasn't, you didn't have that desperation. So many times in these big college games, you almost have to just push your team the entire 40 minutes and, and a three-minute dry spell, cheer louder. You know, cheer your team to score. Don't wait till they score cheer and stand up and push them to score, push them to get stops. And it, like you said, it took until the 10-minute mark of the second half before it really happened. And that was exactly when the, the avalanche started rolling for the Vols. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. Love the show. Just wanted to get my opinion out there. I hey, appreciate it, Joel. Thank call you, anytime. Joel. Call anytime. Good call by Joel. And, you know, it is it is something I've noticed, and I've talked about it for years, neutral site games, Felt the same way, you know, in baseball season whenever you're going head-to-head with LSU and Hoover a couple years ago. LSU an elite baseball fan base, and, and Tennessee is learning and trying to get there, but, like, LSU cheered the entire damn game, and Tennessee had a lead on them. You know, this was been two years ago, not – or maybe even three years ago in Hoover. or No, two years ago, yeah. And, and, like, they were pumped up and ready to go. I thought the same way at the neutral side against Michigan in the Sweet 16. They were loud the entire time. Tennessee had more fans – but Michigan was more locked in and louder. I don't know if it's a football mindset, but you'd think if it was a football mindset, you do cheer basically every defensive play. You do go to your feet and, and get loud for every defensive play. Basketball fans don't really do that, and it, it is a little disheartening. I don't know what the solution is other than like taking out the seeds, but obviously people want to sit down and be comfortable, so I don't know. I did get many messages about that too, though, last night in terms of like, wake these guys up, try to lead the charge, do this, this, and this. It's quiet. I don't know what the solution is. Ah! <laughs> That's how I was screaming. Because ah! we should have one of, if not the best home court advantage. I mean, with 20,000 people in there, right. especially with the way this team's playing. Right. It was nice hearing. Uh... Because I've been seeing some stuff on social media this morning about how after Pearl's press conference, there were people that waited around afterwards that cheered him on, you know, Tennessee fans and stuff. And look, there's a debt of gratitude. I get that. But it's like, give it up. Really? It's time, man. We got a good coach. 15 years ago. God. 
2008 so, was 16 years ago. Like, yeah. there's a full ass kid driving around that wasn't alive when Tennessee and Memphis played for number one in the country. Like, right. it's okay. Like, again, man, uh, Joel's observation was right. I mean, there was, and we heard it from from Polinsky too. I mean, there was some high level play, coaching, everything going on last night. Not high level refing, but uh, <laughs> other than that, it was uh, it was all high level. And I'll give it to the fans. We brought it the last 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was loud. It sure. got loud the last 10 minutes, for sure. But, yeah, the previous 30 uh, left a little bit, bit to be desired. And for, like, how close it was in the first half, there's no reason for it not to be that loud either. Yeah, I agree fully. We'll wrap this show up on the other side. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Atlanta Braves spring training is on. And the road to a seventh straight division crown starts in Northport. Lacuna hit. 